Hello, hello, hello. I am thrilled to be here. This is a big one for me. Before we get into this episode, I want to welcome you if this is your first episode, if this is like mine, the 52nd time that you are with me, I want to thank you and welcome you. I am always conscious that the work I do, the work I share here on this podcast, on my platforms, are counterculture, right? They are not the standard. They are not the norm. And if we want them to be, we need to do it together. And so one small impactful way that you can support that is supporting the show. If you are an Apple podcast listener, you can subscribe to this show. It helps other people find it. You can rate and review it. And another step that you can take is sending an episode, maybe this one that you appreciate, that you think someone else would find benefit from, letting them know vulnerably, powerfully, impactfully, what it has done for you and what it could do for them. By way of introduction, especially if you are new, my name is Nadia Felsch. I'm an anti-diet nutritionist and a certified intuitive eating counselor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. So in this episode, I am going to be diving into why your PCOS doesn't need a diet. And I have such a privilege and pleasure of being joined in this exploration by Julie Duffy Dillon. Julie is a registered dietitian and eating disorder specialist and the host of Find Your Food Voice podcast, and she's based in the US. Her work centers around supporting folks living and struggling with PCOS to get their power back and manage their PCOS, which is really part of what we're going to be exploring. You know, compassionate, evidence-based, we'll come back to that term, and intuitively focused, let's call it holistic support, the, the type that, that Julie offers that I wish so much that I had had access to at 20 years old when my own PCOS was diagnosed and essentially when it blew up my life. And so this is a personal episode. I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. I want to share with you what we are going to cover. And I love when people do that, right? I love listening to a podcast so that you know what you're in for and then you can decide if you want to continue. I hope you will. So Julie and I dive into a definition of PCOS and how it is way more than fertility. We talk about some of the go-to PCOS recommendations and essentially shit on them, right? Like get ready for that. We talk really fundamentally about what is wrong with those recommendations and where this so-called treatment overlaps with a lot of the big systemic failures that we have in our society and specifically healthcare, you know, fat phobia and healthism, diet culture. Really, why are we getting it so wrong is, is, is what we explore. We also definitely touch on this very problematic and I think toxic message about PCOS being something you can cure. Um, that might be something you've come across. It might be something that is challenging for you to sit with. And Julie and I also cover the core framework that she uses with, with her clients to effectively manage PCOS. And again, far out do I wish that at 20 years old, I had had Julie. I had had Julie's framework. As I said, this episode is is really personal to me in a way that when Julie and I were chatting, I kind of took me by surprise and again, maybe in ways I didn't expect. And I think in part because as I, as I offer to Julie, I realize how grateful I am as a person, as a human who has PCOS, 
I'm grateful that people like her exist. There's not a lot of them. And, you know, when I think about people who are struggling so much with PCOS and the the multifaceted struggle that that can be, because again, I was one of those people. So in part that, and also because of how I was treated by the specialists that I saw, especially early in my diagnosis, that was absolutely, and it's interesting, Julie touches on this. It was such a, it was a major precipitator of my eating disorder developing. I can absolutely draw that very clear line. It also, I think this episode, I hope you find this valuable that I'm sharing. It was a grieving process really for me to, to acknowledge that the care that I received, the very inadequate, harmful care that I received, it was not care, uh, really it's only focus and I guess I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I grieved that once I acknowledge this, we talk in this episode about anger, get ready for that one. Really, no one only cared, people only cared about my reproductive capacity. Now, to me, if you've listened to other episodes or you followed me on social, I am proudly child-free. Those parts of my body are of no importance to me. But you know what? Even if they were and I wanted to procreate, is my body only worthy of care if it can or if I want that? So whether you do or not doesn't doesn't matter. This is a complex chronic condition that is about more than our reproductive organs. And this is just another bias in PCOS management that is really harmful and, and leaves out a lot. And for me is very clearly about misogyny and control and patriarchal pronatalist undertones of our society, which to be completely honest, care very little about anyone with a uterus and our needs. And that extends much bigger than PCOS, but particularly is another piece of crap about PCOS, if I'm being honest. So this episode was all kinds of amazing experiences for me. And I really, truly hope that it is for you because you know, what about those horrific pains from periods and heavy periods and iron deficiency? What about random bleeding? What about cystic acne, which at 37 years old is still sometimes a part of my life. And I know that so many of you with PCOS can relate to these experiences. I see you. And I know that unfortunately our concerns and our struggles tend to be swept under the rug and this is an episode when that is the opposite of what we're going to be doing so enjoy our incredible chat when people think of pcos fertility 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 right that that's and Mm -hmm. i'm it, it is part of the piece but could you break it down what is pcos i am so happy to do this because everybody when, maybe it's not everybody, but most people, when they're diagnosed, they're told, you know, here's birth control, go right. on a diet, come back when you want to get pregnant. Right. And what we know is that, yeah, PCOS affects fertility, but it's an endocrine disorder that mm-hmm. starts in your brain and provokes this hormonal imbalance that results into a set of symptoms. <laughs> and really because of the set of symptoms is uh, different for everybody. It can look different, but it basically has three different kind of set of consequences to it. So there are reproductive consequences, you know, we know a lot about a lot of those, oh, yeah. a lot of those. And, <laughs> but there's also psychological consequences. 
we can talk about. And then there's also metabolic consequences. And yes, most people think of it as this endocrine or not endocrine, but uh, reproductive disorder. And it's even defined that way. You know, it's defined as something that happens to women, which, you know, we can talk about even that women of like childbearing age. And there's just so much to unpack in that because that's wrong. It ha- it's like something you're born with and die with. Yeah. It's wrong. It happens more than, Can we say yeah. That, right? that is- yeah. And it doesn't just affect women. Like, exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah, there's a lot that if you're listening and you have PCOS, you were diagnosed with it and you kind of felt oh, like this kind of, I don't know really what this is, or I'm so confused. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you weren't given enough. And, and the, the psychological impact, I know you said that it's going to, it's going to look different feel. So maybe that's more feel different. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are some of those hallmarks? And look, I'm, I'm no, there's a long list, but if, <laughs> if yeah. someone is thinking maybe this isn't about my PCOS, so this isn't related to my PCOS. Mm. So there are so many things that a person ex- can experience that could be connected to their PCOS. I actually was just writing about this. Um, but, you know, the reproductive consequences of it, you know, of course that can be like menstrual ir- irregularities or no cycles, but it also can is um, something that can affect someone's like um, iron levels. So they can be really tired, but then there's the um, hirsutism or high androgen levels that can cause cystic acne. It could also cause um, more facial hair on your face. And some people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then also there's the psychological side that some people may be experiencing that um, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. Those are all more common in people with PCOS than people without PCOS. Yeah. Um, I say the last one for last, the last one for last, I say the biggest one for last, <laughs> the metabolic <laughs> consequences. Metabolic. Yeah. They include, you know, those high insulin levels that, um, are so such a big part of symptoms for most people with PCOS, like the, like painful fatigue, intense cravings. And, um, then there's also, you know, cholesterol stuff that happens like high cholesterol levels and heart disease. And what am I forgetting? There's other things too. Well, there's parts that are not even included in those. Like a lot of times people have low vitamin D levels. They have dry eye. Um, they may have dry skin. Um, like there's all these other things that people also experience ADHD. So, um, which I don't like want to consider and like consequences, like I consider it just like a neurodivergent type of, um, category. And so, but there's more people with PCOS who also have ADHD. So yeah, there's just, yeah. But this is also in the context, this, this, and you've just kind of mentioned some, right? This some, is certainly yeah. not an exhaustive list, but mm-hmm. again, it is positioned as a reproductive yeah. condition, disorder. So someone is diagnosed, someone is in the office of their doctor, of their specialist, getting this diagnosis and or self-diagnosing. I'm sure a lot of people are doing mm-hmm. that. Not, not For sure. Mm-hmm. either course but yeah just saying it's happening <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about and maybe complain about because I'm here for that mm-hmm. all of the go-to recommendations and all of the things that are wrong with them <laughs> yeah so because like I said at the beginning it's yeah the, right the good the it's funny because the go-to recommendations really only have two flavors mm. I love flavors. 
um, one is just nothing like right. cricket sounding, uh, you know, even to the point where some people were like, I didn't even know I had PCOS until I write, read it in my like electronic record mm-hmm. that it was noted, but no one ever told me. Right. So like sometimes so people are just not even told. You, or we don't want to help you all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Eve, or, you know, maybe there's, there's actually been um, editorials in medical journals that talk about how because we don't have a lot of interventions for PCOS, that maybe we shouldn't even tell people that they have it because of hysteria. Yeah. Oh, hysteria. Right. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. (laughs) So the misogyny is just like everywhere. Yeah. It's gripping really. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So that's one thing is like nothing. And then the other is here's birth control. So, you know, and, and something I, I'm okay to say, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm like, birth control pills can be a great option if you are wanting to prevent getting pregnant and also, or, or you just need help with your cycles and to not have such a heavy bleed and things like that. And it's super accessible and lower cost for many people. So like, yeah, great option. Uh, But oftentimes that's like the only option until, and then like come back when you're trying to get pregnant. And then of course, but you also have to diet. You have to diet. This is the other flavor. I said this is one of the other key. It's flavors. part of a birth control okay. flavor. It's kind of like a, I don't know. In Australia, I have a feeling you have these places that are like the frozen yogurt places where you can combine flavors yes. into one flavor. Yes. Yeah. So it's the birth control, uh, <laughs> fat phobic recommendation swirl. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to quote you on that. I like it. I, I mean, I hate it. I don't like it. Just to be clear, I hate it. But we have to laugh at it because it's all it's ridiculous. Um, and we also, it is really sad and, 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 you know, we probably have lots of people we've talked to whose eating disorders started in that moment when they were told you have to diet now, you, um, need to be smaller. And also maybe the doctor didn't say this, but, and sometimes they have, but maybe they were the, um, client was left feeling this way that they caused it. And, um, what we know if you have PCOS is you didn't cause it. Um, it's something that you were born with. It's inherited. It's passed down through families. Right. But even if a person did cause it, I still think they shouldn't be like, you know, treated like that. Absolutely. But but yeah, it's not something that a person caused by a weight change or eating something wrong. It's very similar to diabetes and how it's like mostly genetic. Mm-hmm. So, um, but unfortunately there's so much um, misunderstanding of it that most people, when I go on podcasts and I say that I'll get a number of emails who are like, thank you. I had no idea. I always thought I caused it. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. Yeah. I think so. So the flavor, the, the fat phobic diet culture, weight loss, take, take a contraceptive pill flavor. It's it's quite a complicated flavor. I get it. A lot to unpack in this flavor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's also like lacking so much nuance at the same time. A hundred percent. Cause it's like everybody, you know, (laughs) or the crickets. There's that other side. That's just the nothing. And both incredibly harmful. Could we, Mm -hmm. could we say, could we agree? Mm -hmm. So when you see, cause I, I know that there are countless accounts, that's quite a mouthful, countless accounts online that are, Hey, don't eat gluten and PCOS is better. Don't eat Mm. dairy and you could insert anything at this point, anti-inflammatory, this, do you feel like, are we agreeing that that's a, a sub flavor of that flavor? 
Oh, yeah. It's all rooted in the same bullshit though. Really? Yeah. So much. There's so much of that. And, you know, we were talking before we were recording, like I'm new to TikTok and like, (laughs) and on TikTok, there's like not very many people talking about anti-diet stuff, period. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, not very many people talk about PCOS and like options outside of non-diet stuff. Um, And so there's so many people who are like, this is what I did to get rid of my PCOS or cure it. And they often mention gluten and dairy. And it's so heartbreaking because just because something quote worked for you, that doesn't mean that it's going to do the same for everybody else. Um, And like, there's actually no data on the gluten thing. Like that is just this like trendy thing. I mean, the dairy. Yeah. 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 And the dairy part came from some research that like looked at like someone uh, or group of people eating two servings of dairy a day and how it had low and lower inflammation levels. And people assumed it meant no dairy, Mm -hmm. but it was considered like a low dairy, but it was two servings a day. And I'm like, well, cherry yeah. kind of information. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. let's acknowledge that someone is down the rabbit hole, if we could call it that, or overwhelmed, vulnerable, all of the things. Mm-hmm. And that sounds exciting, hopeful, possible. Yeah. yeah. Losing weight. That's what my doctors told me. Or, or yeah. at least don't gain weight is, you know, depending mm-hmm. on where someone's body size is and maybe also how fat phobic their provider is. Mm-hmm. What I I guess what I'm trying to ask you is I acknowledge how different what we're saying is. So even us laughing at that, of course, we're not laughing at any individual, but Mm -hmm. I get that Mm -hmm. that can be confronting, like, but that's what they said. And it's everywhere. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just a small question. What's so wrong with that? Those flavors. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and maybe for some folks they're going to be just fine and they're not going to cause any harm. And yeah, the, the, the folks that I'm finding on TikTok who are talking <laughs> about it, it sounds like it's suiting them. And that's, that's great. I'm glad when people find things that help them to feel the way, the way they want to feel and are, you know, checking off the boxes they want to check off. And also for most people, it's not going to quote work. Like it's not going to be a long-term solution. Right. And then, you know, because we're, dietitians, we also are looking at research and we're like, well, the research doesn't support it either. And the research supports that it's going to worsen things like insulin and inflammation long-term anyway, which are the two like big pillars that you don't want going higher with PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it's not a laughing matter. It's really serious. And, and besides all of that, for many people starting those kinds of restrictions does lead to an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So that's like super dangerous will take years and years to recover from. So, um, so yeah, I don't think like nutrition recommendations, I don't think people, and, and I would include healthcare providers, medical providers, my aunts and uncles, I don't know, like everybody, I don't think people realize how impactful nutrition recommendations are. I agree. And they're just given out, like it's talking about the temperature outside or, um, I don't know, cold, you know, no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. And you and I know that, no, it's a really big deal and it could trigger for some people an eating disorder, but then also folks in higher rate bodies, it's contributing to their, their oppression. So 
it's a really big deal. And yeah, so it's it does stink because a lot of the the influencers who are really popular that I'm finding on TikTok, they are super hopeful. Mm-hmm. You know, that when uh, someone watching those kind of videos, I would appreciate that kind of hopefulness that could come from that. And that feels so good. And what you and I are talking about feels like shit. <laughs> like it feels awful. And, and it's, but that's what diet culture is. It's super hopeful, but really is empty promises. Seductive. And it's like, so, oh, yeah. I call it definitely like the seductive fantasy. I have like, that's one thing like I'll journal on, like how like diet culture is so, it's such a seductive fantasy and like so slick and its delivery. Um, and moving away from that can feel like the biggest buzzkill, but it's reality, you know, and the thing with PCOS in particular, moving away from diet culture initially may feel really crappy physically and emotionally as you like lose that kind of hope with that comes from it. But then as your body recovers from the dieting, Mm -hmm. then the body starts to feel energy again, Mm -hmm. fueled from food and, you know, finding your own way in, in, and more of what is actually a part of reality and different, this is different resources. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of diet culture that I think is really tricky too, is how it does focus on the individual being able to change things and something, you know, we talked so much about how PCOS healthcare is just crap. And, um, that's why that hope is so important, you know, because if, if, if you think you're going to be able to change it and get what you need and get the access you need, and the respect that you need, um, then yeah. But the thing about it is the the healthcare delivery is broken. Yeah. And this is not going to be a one person thing. Like it's not going to be an individual fix. And we can come together though, I think, and fix PCOS healthcare. I think we all can keep making a stink and keep <laughs> saying that is BS. Stop publishing journal articles on this, you know, like that 5% weight loss, improving metabolic markers for PCOS. Which doctor is saying that's okay. You don't need to lose anymore. Right. That's what I say. I mean, I don't know, you know, I I'm like a long-term it's still showing that weight is regained, but like, even if it was 5%, I'm like, I don't know any doctor that's been like, that's fine. It's just stay there. (laughs) Also. So honoring that someone, because even in shockingly to, to us, and and I hope to anyone listening, these really still are the recommendations. Like to be clear, if anyone's kind of under any misconception, what Julie and I are speaking about is not the given in medical management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the, so the Monash, I know that you Course, but yes. the clinical guidelines that they're now four years, but I mean, we're still, we're still, we're going to have a new one next year, hopefully. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and look, I'm not going to be surprised if it still has this. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to read this line, right? Cause I, I, I know, you know it, but I, I need people to know. Oh, I hope you're re- going to read the line that I hope you read. Okay. <laughs> oh, the pressure. I mean, I've got a lot of, okay. So overall, and I mean, there's a lot of also gender issues here in women with PCOS and excess weight. Also, what does that mean? Vague Mm -hmm. lifestyle interventions, which reduced weight by as little as 5% total body weight have been shown to have health, metabolic, reproductive, psychological benefits, which is kind of some of the, the, the hallmarks we were talking about, right? Very closely positioned, 
women with PCOS, again, problematic, have more identified risk factors for eating disorders across obesity, inverted commas, depression, anxiety, self-esteem, poor body image. They run into the point, like they really run into the point and miss the point. (laughs) And also talk about how, I mean, even again, coming back to Australian guidelines, our own public health guidelines don't back up nor do any around the world, that this works for anyone long-term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess if I take a breath and like get your take, again, acknowledging this could be challenging for people to sit with. this. Mm-hmm. So I've been told to lose weight, this will help me, and I feel vulnerable and scared and overwhelmed and I don't want to get worse, all very valid. Mm-hmm. If their trusted specialist, or maybe not even trusted specialist, but their specialist yes. says, hey, these are the these are the guidelines. This is what this is what I've got to tell you to do. Why is that wrong? Just, you know, just a small question. <laughs> right. And I so the quote I always mention in these guidelines, which if someone's listening, it's like the 2018 PCOS evidence-based guidelines. I'm going to pop yeah, it in the, in the, yeah, pop it in there. Yeah. Yes. In case you want to read with us. Right, right. Um, and we will have a new one in 2023, but somewhere in there, and I was hoping to find it while you're talking, but I haven't found it yet. Um, it mentions that there is no diet intervention that mm-hmm. has been found to help most people with PCOS. Right. Um, that promotes health, like or something like that. It's yeah. a very solid statement. Like there are zero zero diets that have been found to help. Um, and there should have been a period after that. Right. Yeah, totally. But, but, it, that, that, but instead, we'll, we'll stop. We're done. Yeah. 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 But no, so it says, so just pick one. Yeah. We'll just throw some stuff at the wall. Cause these people yeah. aren't struggling or suffering or have any concerns. Just try yeah. something, just try mm-hmm. something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the metabolic consequences to PCOS are the biggest part of it for most of my clients that I've worked with, not everyone, the reproductive ones, everybody knows about, and all the interventions really are like focused on that. And I think that's part of why the nutrition one, they they're like, well, so just pick one kind of like, we'll just throw a whatever at you because you're just a, a, a human factory. And we're waiting for you to do that. Yeah. Once you're done, you know, I got nothing else for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I feel like an a-hole saying it like that, but I, it's just like, that's how I summarize PCOS research. Yeah. Totally. It's, and so when, when, what you asked me though, at the beginning about this, like, what do you say about like when, cause I definitely have had healthcare providers say that back to me, you know, this is what the, the 2018 Monash, you know, <laughs> and okay. So I'm like, so which intervention are you suggesting? Yeah. And, um, Deb Burgard, love her to death. Love. Cause uh, yes, yeah. Google her, <laughs> listen to every interview you can find with yeah. her. Cause she's not much on the internet, but, um, I have talked to her many times about like before I've done some public speaking, or if I've had a tough experience with doctors or just other healthcare providers. And she's always said, Julie, the onus is on them. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have a diet, you want them to die. Okay. Um, which intervention are you going to choose? So right. show me the data on that intervention. So you're recommending keto. Okay. Show me the intervention on pedo, keto, keto. Nice one. <laughs> yeah. Keto. 
That was a paleo keto combo called. Yeah, no, I keto. get it. I mean, it's, it's probably it's probably someone probably like that. Yeah, someone just TM'd that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, there's very little research. There's like less than a hundred people that have been studied on PCOS and keto at this point. I think. Um, and so there, there isn't data. There isn't any long-term data. Most PCOS, PCOS research is six weeks long. Yeah. There's some that are 12 or 24. And that's generally, right? Like let's yeah. that's generally yeah. not just keto related, right? No, no, just general PCOS yeah. and especially like anything having to do with the nutrition piece. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, like the, what, what intervention are you going to try? And then the other thing is really getting down to the individual level. And so when folks tell me that like, I'm getting pressure to diet. Um, tell me about your diet history. Mm. You know, tell me what you've tried. Um, I have like a little worksheet that I give folks who are in my program, like fill out this worksheet. Let's go through every diet you've done your whole life Let's and map it up. Yes. Experiences. Like, like pe- some people start. I've had the youngest has been in preschool, you know, mm. starting to like diet because of whatever reason there's, and um, you know, there's definitely been people who've done diets for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, totally. And my question is like, how many is enough then? And cause that's really an individual question. You know, how many diets are going to be enough for you to know if they work for you or not? Um, and you know, for some people, they may be like, I just want to try one more. Okay. That's, that's your decision. Um, yeah. And so really like that's why I would want people to like map out all of the different ones they've tried and how long they've dieted to really like, Oh, like what, why would it be any different? Right. It's quite a, I do a similar um, experience with new clients and they are always, even though they cognitively know Mm -hmm. it's quite, it's quite confronting to see that, to feel that, Mm -hmm. to maybe start to say, Oh, maybe it isn't me. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And, you know, food behavior is really interesting, isn't it? Because like we have to eat and think about food every day so many times a day. But oftentimes we're just thinking about like the right now with food or how we have been shamed about it. Yeah. You know, like I feel it's like that's the only thing that really sticks around. So, yeah, having that kind of record to look at. And it's OK to be like, you know what? I tried in my teen years, my 20s and my 30s. Now that I'm in my 40s. I can just say it's not, it doesn't work for me. And it only has led to binging or only led to eating disorder behavior or really negative body image or all of those. And so it's not an option for me. And, and so I think as healthcare providers, whether we're weight inclusive or not, if we want to support our clients or our patients to promote health and their PCOS symptoms, however they want to manage them, we need to be open to some other options besides, nope, nope, you just need to you just need to diet. You just need to cut out whatever is trendy right now. You know? Right. Yeah. I mm-hmm. couldn't, I so appreciate, I think what I would classify Julie is very compassionate. As you said, whether you're a weight inclusive provider or not, that if we are trying to honor that someone is trying mm-hmm. to improve X, Y as a part of their born with will die with condition. Right. So again, mm-hmm. I can't cure this despite what mm-hmm. TikTok influences. <laughs> But I can I can effectively manage absolutely I can effectively manage mm-hmm. this and and now the shiny diet culture seduction is maybe off the table because I'm looking at my history I'm saying maybe I don't want to go down this path anymore but for a provider I I, I guess to be open to that is so I mean that makes mm-hmm. me excited to think that mm-hmm. this 
piece of crap guideline. Honestly, I, I've got nothing else to say about it other than that. Mm-hmm. That again has very problematic language on every level. I know mm-hmm. it's a few years old. We all grow cool. It's 2018. It, yeah, exactly. It's not It's not <laughs> 1998 or something here. But That's when I graduated from college. <laughs> and, you know, growth, like I've grown in a few years. I, I acknowledge. Amen. The, yes. The, you know, publications are in stone. I, I, do, mm-hmm. I do get that. But yeah. this, I guess what I would love as, as someone with PCOS to have other people with PCOS, whatever point of their journey at to know is that the guidelines, I think something that I struggled with a lot was I put so much trust and respect in, well, this is medicine and this is science. Mm. Quote unquote. Mm. And that was really tricky for me to then not rely on and not believe. Cause then I'm actually confronting a whole belief system. Really? Yeah. Do I yeah. Not my doctor says like, mm. does that mean and and this is really the great unlearning. So fatness isn't a problem. And like mm-hmm. BMI, like there's so many big things that smack you in the face. Yes. Ugh. And if that's where you are, it's normal. <laughs> it's very normal. It is confronting from my experience mm-hmm. anyway. But there's also the side of, I don't think we need to be all or nothing. I'm not suggesting all medicine and all science is flawed. Mm-hmm. Not suggesting no. that at all. Mm-hmm. But this guideline is a piece of crap. Like that's yeah, that's well, ex- exactly. And like we have the evidence that diets don't work and that totally. they cause harm and they increase insulin not levels. You. Like, yeah, it's not like I, I, it's not like we're anti science. Like, this is actually coming from yeah. research and also listening to folks. And I think that's why so many dietitians end up being anti diet mm-hmm. is because we do listen to folks. Um, especially, you know, the type of work that you and I do, like sitting for folks for a whole hour and hearing all of their nutrition behaviors and like experiences with food around other people. Like it doesn't take very long to to see the harm from dieting and um, how there could be other options. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe we can choose to be hopeful that the 2023 guidelines will be different. I'm hoping they'll be gender inclusive have some positive things to say about inositol. Like they were just like poo-pooing inositol in this too. I was like, come on, we had a lot by this point. Yeah, <laughs> and because yeah. doctors will look at it and be like, no, I can't recommend inositol to my clients because these guidelines say it's not ready yet. Um, and then also maybe just something else besides just pick one. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that we're talking that again, if you want to look at these, they'll be in the show notes. These are Mm -hmm. literally named evidence-based guidelines Mm -hmm. with statements that are anything but and make no literal or scientific or rational sense. It's quite infuriating. I mean, and and I think it was trying to like stay with the evidence. Like there are no diets that help people with PCOS or none that like help most people. I think is how they said it. And but then, then, the but then it was like, well, then they said, but just, so just pick one. Like yeah. the, I think, you know, and you know, for so many of us who like started out as weight centric and moved into like an anti-diet space, mm-hmm. we had to move our head just a little bit over. Mm-hmm. You you are seeing me right now. The listeners are not, but like, just look <laughs> over there, just, just look for a second, like to, to like disconnect from what you were saying earlier and now about fatness and from being fatness equals unhealthy or fatness equals right. bad to fatness being neutral or fatness is just is, um, or just like 
a data point. Um, Just like, what if it's just that? And um, Shavise Turner is a, as a, a, is a social worker? Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I think she's some, I forget her official like letters after her name. Yeah. (laughs) But she's someone who started the binge eating disorder association, but um, also has PCOS. And I interviewed her a few years ago in my podcast. And what she said, I thought summed it up perfectly. She said, um, medicine and healthcare is just so married to weight loss Mm -hmm. as the intervention to fix health that they can't look in any other direction. So that's why I'm like, just, just look a little bit. Yeah. 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 And so I think these guidelines, they're just so tightly married to it. And so they couldn't see that maybe it should just been a period. Yeah. Absolutely. Instead of. And And hey, now, now there's some other questions we need answers to. There's other opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that, that, that limitation, again, this is big, I know across healthcare Mm -hmm. is we therefore don't have great answers to questions. We're not even, we're not even asking those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I didn't like read through the reproductive part of this document as much as the nutrition section, <laughs> but I have, I have a feeling there's sections where they're like, we don't know, yeah. you know, and um, why can't we just do that? But here's the question, Nadia, how do you or I get on the next one? So 2028? Oh, yes, that, yes. That one's probably already being. I was going to say, I was like, yeah. can, can we, can we? No. <laughs> 2028. Though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can we, can we figure out a way to get one I of us on there? There's many voices that need hearing. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. I'm not even just suggesting your eye. I think there's many. Just somebody voices. who could be like, Hey, what about right. not dieting? Like what like, about the options for folks who can't diet? Interventions? Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah. and. I think what is so, I mean, look, clinical guidelines are what they are, but what is always kind of very clear to me is that we, I think, lose sight, not you and I, but just societally, Mm -hmm. I think we lose sight that these are humans who have lots of stuff going on that's not just this anyway, Mm -hmm. but that this is a lifelong, could be very impactful of someone's quality of life, therefore their health promotion. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything getting boiled down to, again, huge kind of focus on the reproduction, which might not matter to all, it doesn't, certainly doesn't matter to me in terms of effectiveness of the organs. Mm-hmm. Um, it does matter about the symptoms, I think, for most of us who, who live with this. But even what would it be like to read guidelines that, you know, got a hope of these are humans who are multifaceted and complex and uh, can we ask better questions? Can can we even acknowledge we don't know some things? That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't. We obviously don't know some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but could we yes. say that? Mm-hmm. Because then the I know you say I think in the states is it is it family doctor is that is that the expression for like a mm-hmm. someone it can that, be mm-hmm. so we would say in Australia general practitioner like a GP mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I can just imagine. They have so much to read through. They have so many materials. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. They can't know everything about it. They're mm-hmm. not meant to know everything about everything. No. If a guideline top line is treating a person in some of the ways we're talking about and acknowledging what's not known, that trickle mm-hmm. down is very big to the person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. it just would be so different than the, the takeaway still being the weight loss diet culture 
which obviously then has huge metabolic impacts. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just imagine, let's hope, let's hope. So to offer some other hope as we kind of like, (laughs) I guess, I, I, I guess what I want to acknowledge is that everyone's experience is different. Everyone's flavor of PCOS can be a little bit different, oh, right? Yeah. Their yeah. struggles might be different. Their concerns mm-hmm. might be different. When you are working with humans dealing with PCOS, trying to, trying to best manage it because that's what they're wanting, right? They're mm-hmm. wanting to mm-hmm. reclaim back some empowerment around this condition. You have a core framework, really, that you mm-hmm. utilize. And again, I understand there's lots of nuance and we probably can't ever give everything, but people might never have heard that these are some of the things that that you mm-hmm. might work on with people. Could you share what some of them are? Yeah, yeah. So my PCOS Power Framework has nine steps to it. And we talked a lot about the first two, which is really just like understanding what PCOS actually is and also how diets are not the, the solution and also like your diet didn't cause it. Um, <laughs> but then, but I, my hope with the first three um, parts to the framework is for folks to really like understand their body more Mm -hmm. and um, undo or like unlearn some of the things that made them want to trick their cravings or ignore Mm -hmm. them or feel ashamed of their intense cravings. And instead to like, if they're willing and they feel, if they feel safe in their body to say hello to them and to gather the data that it's giving them. And then from there, it's really, instead of like taking things away, it's finding some strategies to what can you add when to what you're eating to see if it makes a difference. So for the most common complaint that I hear, I don't know if you hear this too, or if you experience this, Nadia, but like the most common complaint I hear is this like painful fatigue mm-hmm. from PCOS, which is probably from the inflammation and the insulin levels being so high. And so the first step for that is like, you have to eat enough first. Right. And um, those of us socialized as women, like, yeah, we're pretty much told that we need less than we probably need. And so there's a period of time where we need to make sure we're eating enough. And then from there, adding strategically in protein in certain places and experimenting with what works for you. Um, It may be adding some fat, fiber, supplements, um, and finding out what works. And then also if like, there's like, PCOS is going to be like any other chronic condition where it does get worse, the older you, the longer you live with it, you know? And so I always want people to like learn all the tools. Cause I'm like, just, just so you can keep them in your toolbox for the next season. Um, especially in midlife, there's not enough people talking about midlife and menopause with PCOS. Totally. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I really ever have seen much about that in general Coming well, that season myself, you know? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I spent all summer researching it and, well, I, <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't go away after menopause, but you probably will go through menopause later than your peers without PCOS. Um, and you know, things like insulin and cholesterol, cholesterol. um, especially LDL cholesterol, um, tend to be higher and triglycerides, but, the you know, so there's some other things that are kind of consistent mood yeah. disorders tend to be worse until about 45 or 46, but then they tend to be like everybody else. So it's not like that, cha- you know, that goes down as you go through menopause right. for some reason, um, cycles will improve as you get closer to menopause, like, because, because <laughs> estrogen is going to like normal levels. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's like not enough talked about, I think in that space. And, um, yeah, just like 
I, I think finding a way to connect folks with as many tools as possible so they can have that available in that season when it's, when it's next. And then if anything, just having that instinct of like, oh, I can, I can tell my cravings are different. That means probably my insulin levels are high, high again. What can I add to what I'm doing to help yeah. instead of like, I need to cut something out. Right. I don't have the willpower. I need, just need to exercise more. No, 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 no. My body's changing. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. none of us are getting out of here alive. Right. Yeah. We're all going to get like, and if we're lucky, we get to get old too. So yeah. like, it's going to be different and probably yeah, worsen symptoms. So finding the tools that are not going to blame yourself mm-hmm. instead, just like help you to manage it as best you can. And, you know, um, PCOS for some people ends up being something that is really hard, you know, and, um, we do live in a very ableist world that is healthism is like, just so such a big, um, issue that I have. And I wish the world was built to include folks who have more fatigue or who are not able to participate, um, in things because of ableism. And, um, so that's another thing we need to fix. We need to fix it. Not you. Yes, yes. But I I so appreciate, you know, following through this framework, what's really stood out is, is, and I know we we talked about it before kind of recording Mm -hmm. the episode about the anger, I guess, Mm -hmm. placing the anger where it belongs, right? That's how I think that it's Mm -hmm. an individual. That's a core part of this, this, Mm -hmm. you support folks, the leaning into what their body tells them rather than Mm -hmm. just script so mm-hmm. eat this many meals, eat this amount of protein. You know, I, I get no idea. Yeah. Every single person is going to have such a different mm-hmm. experience. And I love that the undertone of it all is tools mm-hmm. because your needs will shift. You're a dynamic, changing, aging person. Mm-hmm. And as you've just kind of made really clear that the condition will, sh- like like all conditions, to be honest, that are chronic, they will shift as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we have the core tools rather than everything is ruined because something's changed, because that's, again, that diety all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, now my insulin's different, so I must have failed my PCOS management. Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. see how that just will continue for folks otherwise. That yeah. I, I know it happens with type 2 diabetics as well. Like mm-hmm. I, my, very my blood similar. sugars are not in range. I did it. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. stress of that, what's that doing to your blood sugar? I know, right? <laughs> well, and that's the intention with PCOS powers, like tools and strategies, mm-hmm. um, like how the framework wraps up is like, now let's help you to advocate for yourself, yeah. which then helps advocate for other people, Absolutely. you know, um, and help you then like share this with other people so they can have those same resources too. Um because yeah, we're, we're only going to change it if we can help people like take the focus off fixing themselves and instead fixing it on the problem. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm glad that you're working with us. (laughs) Let's talk about the 2028 guidelines after this. Let's, (laughs) I know who do we email? We need to, well, I, I have some geographical kind of element Yes, you do. A little closer. So if there was a a comment, affirmation or anything that you would love, either whether it's someone with PCOS or someone who loves Mm -hmm. someone with PCOS, because you might be around, um, which is super touching if that is the case, Mm -hmm. what is something you would love for them to hear? 
and no? I have two. Of course you you're, can. Of course you're going to say yes. <laughs> no, <don't worry. laughs> so one is um, PCOS is not your fault. PCOS is not your fault. You need to know PCOS is not your fault. <laughs> yep. And your body is worthy is exactly as it is, is right now in this moment. So good. period, full stop. Yes. 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 Thank you so much, Julie. This has been amazing. Thank you. I am so grateful. And actually part of the introduction, not that, not that you'll know this unless you listen to the episode, no pressure. Of course I will. <laughs> I, I wrote something along the lines of this feeling personal partly and, and quite healing, if I'm being honest, to mm. know that people like you exist and, and mm. hear so much, like not just do the job. Mm-hmm. That's great. But as you said, you've spent the summer researching menopause, PCOS, <laughs> interrelationship, because not only is that really important for you to know about, obviously, and better support folks, but that's that's the level of care. And I think there is a great healing when I think of my younger self and how unsupported mm-hmm. I felt. Mm-hmm. Even though I have found the space finally, and I'm really grateful mm-hmm. for that, it probably didn't need to take that long. And I know that no. others would feel the same as well. So thanks mm-hmm. for doing what you do. You know, it is such a privilege to do this work. So I feel really grateful to be in this space. And like, it is an honor that anybody even trusts me, like since I don't have PCOS. So thank you. And thank you for saying that. That was very kind. And I am so glad that, you know, your younger self doesn't have to struggle with that crap anymore. Stay away from the swirl. (laughs) Different flavors. We've got different flavors here. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. For all of the links and notes from today's exploration of why your PCOS doesn't need a diet, including how to find Julie and her work, head to my website, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast, or you'll find the link directly in the podcast player that you are currently listening on. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time.